Will everybody stand up with me for just a moment, kids included, if you're able? Um, we're going to sing a little song we sang a couple weeks ago. It's more for me than you probably at this point, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a short song. We'll put the lyrics up here, and if you can sing it in an Irish accent, it works way better. Because if you're good at it, it sounds cool. If you're bad at it, then it's more fun for the rest of us. Um, but it also kind of, the truth is, has a little bit of maybe, like my Irish accent has a little pirate kind of sound to it. So you can go for that too. Um, but uh, yeah, here, here it is. Cheer up, cheer up. Um, you saints of old. Cheer up, cheer up, you saints of old. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make it out. Remember, Jesus never fails, so why not trust him and shout? Let me hear ya! Hey! You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. All right, there's kids in the room, so we're going to need a little more life to this thing. So you could clap your hands if you want to picture yourself with a pint or something. Go for that, you know. You could swing that about. You can get a hook if you're feeling more pirate. Some of you were sounding way more pirate than Irish, which is fine, which is fine. Um, but let's try it again. Let's give it some gusto. And on that shout, you know, let it out. Let it out. Sometimes you just got to shout. It feels good. Here we go. Cheer up, cheer up, you saints of old. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make it out. Remember, Jesus never fails, so why not trust him and shout, hey! You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning. You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. Very good. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is my last Sunday preaching for a while. Welcome all the new people to church. <laughs> it's fun to have you here today. You're like, what is wrong with this place? Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've been the lead pastor for six and a half years now, and it's been awesome. Um, yes, it's been great. It's been great. And, uh, and my family um, is going to be heading on mission for 10 months to the Republic of Ireland to go work with the church over there and then come back. It probably sounds so bizarre to you. If you're new here, it's totally fine. You can ask somebody else what's happening and they'll, they'll tell you, nothing bad, it's all good. But anyways, um, it's been really good to be with you, Living Streams family. It's really good to be with you this morning on a family Sunday, last Sunday of July, so much closer to October, which is good for Phoenicians. Um, it's good to be with you the last six and a half years, the last 343 Sundays. Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, you like that math, huh? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, math. Um, it was so good to be with all of you guys um, in our fam nights and during our prayer and fasting seasons as we sought the Lord together and experienced community. It's good to be with you guys and explore classes when you were just getting new to the church and trying to figure things out. It was a sweet time. It was good to be with you um, in life groups um, I really enjoyed being in my divorced dad's life group. I'm not divorced, but uh, we got some divorced dads together, and they were just some really, really amazing men. And I learned so much from them. It was such a privilege to walk with them. It was good to be with you at men's retreats, not at women's retreats. 
I don't know how those went, never gone, never will. Um, but men's retreat, it's coming up pretty soon in a couple weeks, and it really is a good time. It is so good for your soul. And guess what? You need it. You need it. You might think, oh, I got too many other things to do. None of those things matter as much, probably. It's a good time to do priorities. It's a good time to get away and get with guys. You will be recharged. You will be refreshed. You will come back with a better insight and a sharper edge for all the trees that you're supposed to cut down in your life. Those things you think you can't get away. It's a real sharpening time. It's a good time. Um, it was good to be with all you guys that went to Belize with me on a, on a missions trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the one I got stung in the forehead by a jungle scorpion. That was cool. It was so good to be with all of you when we all got stung by fear and confusion and the uncertainty of 2020. It was good to be with you as you stayed faithful and committed to the Lord and each other and discerned the ever, ever increasing challenge of discerning what was true and what was false during that time. This is a true statement. You can test it against other places you've been a part of or other churches you've been a part of, but what makes a good pastor is a good congregation. It's never the other way around. And you guys have been awesome. The way you've continued to hunger for the Lord and love each other and be willing to try out some weird ideas that we come up with from time to time. It's been awesome. It was great to be with you during the joyful Christmas and Easter seasons. It was good to be with you at the vacation Bible schools and the kids' Christmas plays and even in 2020 when we did the drive-through Christmas party. That was weird. I was wearing a Yeti costume, I think, which was cold, so it was nice, but still weird. It was even good to be with you when, when we lost loved ones. Some of the sweetest grace that I experienced in these last years has shown up in times of heart-wrenching memorial services and heartbreaking hospital visits with you and your family. It was good to be with you when we get to see miraculous things, healings and words of prophecy, words of knowledge and wisdom given through prayer. And it was so good to see my wife and daughters be with you as you loved them and cheered them on in the Lord. One of my daughters, we were talking this week, we're like, what's the thing you're gonna miss the most? And one of them said church, which is not weird, which, which is weird, I guess. Like I, pastors, kids, from what I've heard, they're supposed to hate the church and hate God because of the church. And you guys did not do your job that way. <laughs> you did a much better thing. My kids love it here. They feel loved here. They're gonna miss it, which is awesome. It was so good to be with you, our staff, as you did such good work and such hard work and watched people give me the credit for it over and over and over again. There's not as much laughter on that one. <laughs> it was so good to be with our direction team whose trust and desire to be united with God's spirit and each other was inspiring to be a part of week in and week out. And it was good to be with the elders and the deacons to enjoy your wisdom and passion regarding the things of God. I actually enjoyed all of our elders' meetings and came out feeling stronger, which is, again, 
Seems weird. It's unique. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was good to be with you, all the young men in the lighthouse. You are a joy to me, and I'm so sorry for all the things you faced and now carry in your soul. But you're so strong and beautiful, and Jesus has such good plans for you guys. And lastly, it's been really good to be with Ryan. He is 100% committed to Jesus and 100% committed to this church family. He's been so faithful to me and has brought so much definition and dimension to all the ministry here. I just throw out an idea and then he actually makes it make sense. And he's been a really good friend and a co-laborer in Christ to me as well. And I know he's gonna do such a good job leading in the next 10 months. Why? Because you guys are a good church. And what makes a good pastor is a good church and it's never the other way around. So with all that being said, we're kicking off a new sermon series called To the Ends of the Earth. Ryan and the teaching team have come up with this, this idea and it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be kind of a real mobilization type season and messaging. Um, and so I'm kicking it off because my wife and my family and I were we're, we're being mobilized by the Lord right now and heading off to Ireland. But you can't start to the ends of the earth message out without going to the Great Commission. So if you'll grab a Bible and turn to Matthew 28, 16. Matthew 28, 16. Um, and we'll hear some words from Jesus. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him but some doubted. Now the reason this was a unique moment because Jesus had told them where to go before he was crucified. And then he was crucified. And then he rose from the dead. And somewhere in that process, the disciples were like, wait a second, didn't he tell us to go somewhere? And if he's alive, we should go there. And so he's there, there waiting for him and then he shows up. So it's a really special moment and they worshiped him. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and this is what I'm doing with it. I'm commissioning you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, as surely as I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus accomplished something huge through his sinless life, his death and resurrection. And he gained him all authority in heaven and on earth. And he could have done anything with it. But what he did was he commissioned his disciples to go and bring the kingdom of God to other people. That's what he wants his disciples to do. Acts chapter one is another kind of take on a similar story. It's right before Jesus actually goes up into heaven. It's the last interaction he has with his disciples. And he says this, they, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, is everything you've done all about here and now in the natural in Israel? And Jesus answered and said, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is again saying, hey, you guys, this is what I need you to focus on. 
There's a lot of other things, a lot of other details, a lot of things you don't know, a lot of questions you're going to have, but here's what I need you to do. When the Spirit comes upon you, He's going to compel you to go, to go into the world and be my witness. Be a witness of the things you've known and seen and experienced. Tell everybody everywhere, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, America was not even in the framework there when he was saying uttermost parts of the earth. They were probably thinking like Turkey or something. But the Spirit was coming upon them, what? Not so they could, oh, feel better. The Spirit wasn't coming upon them so they could all of a sudden speak in tongues. The Spirit wasn't coming upon them so they could just feel more power. The Spirit wasn't even coming upon them so they could be healed in their bodies. Although those things do happen. But the Spirit was coming upon them to make them a witness to who Jesus Christ is and what he can do with human beings. That's the main thing the Spirit comes to do. And then Acts 15, if you keep down that road, a bunch of guys were going out and, and ladies, they were going out and they were doing witnessing, all of that. They were being witnesses for the Lord. And then there's this story, which I think is cool. Acts 15, it says, sometimes later, Paul and Barnabas, who had done missionary work, they said, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord. And let's see how they're doing. Basically, we planted all that seed. Let's go see what's grown. Let's go see if any of those oaks of righteousness are still standing. Let's go see if any of those flowers have wilted or if they're still going strong. Let's go see what kinds of fruit is on those trees that we planted. And then Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued to work with them. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took marks and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, there's a fight here in the middle of this, no doubt about it. And you're reading this, you're like, okay, okay, oh, fight. And you remember when you were in high school and then there was a fight? It didn't matter what else was happening. It was like, fight, fight, fight. Everybody just tells them, fight, and everybody gathers, just watches the fight. You could have been right in the middle of some class, and if there's a fight, all of a sudden, the teacher's got no authority, nobody's got anything, it's just everybody's watching the fight. Unless it was a girl fight. <laughs> then everyone's just like, whoa, bro, bro, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not fun anymore. There's nothing fun about watching a girl fight, because it is nasty. One time I got the privilege of watching a girl fight, and actually I was the only one who watched it, which was weird, because I, was, I just was in, I was in history class and I went, to, I went to go use the bathroom. So hallways are empty, it's right in the middle of class, and I'm at the top of these stairs, and these stairs go down, and then there's a landing, and then there's another set of stairs to go to the first floor. And I'm at the top of these stairs, and, and I come out of the room, and I was like, whoa, and they were like right at the top of the stairs next to me, and they were just yelling at each other, and then next thing you know, they just went at each other. There was no punching. There was, there was no punching in this fight at all. There was tearing. There was ripping and tearing and scratching and shrieking. And I was like, oh, no. And next thing you know, they were tumbling down that first row of stairs. 
and then, but never stopping the ripping and the tearing and the hair and, and the scratching and the gouging. Like it was intense. And they got to that and I was like, oh, that, they, that must have hurt. So they stopped. Never stopped. They literally just tumbled down the neck. And I was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I just kept watching because I was like, what is happening? This is intense. It was like one of those things you can't watch, but then you can't not watch. And I was like trying to, I, I didn't know if I, there's no one here to yell fight. That's what you're supposed to do. Fight. And then everybody comes and look. And then I saw some teachers and I got out of there quick. But um, yeah, the girl fight, that's, that's some tough stuff. But anyways, I don't, here's there's a fight, and it's easy to get distracted on a fight, but don't miss the message. The message here is that Paul and Barnabas, they were going around spreading the word of God, and now they want to go back and see what's grown. And one of the purposes they wanted to do in this last verse is they wanted to strengthen the churches. They knew that whatever was planted, some of it's going to be strong and some of it's going to be weak, and we want to go find the weak, and we want to get our shoulders underneath the burden. See if we can bring some strength. And this is exactly what Brittany and I feel compelled to do. We want to go spread the word of God. We want to go see what the Lord has done before we've gotten there. And we want to strengthen the church, whether it be a large group or whether it be a small group or whether it just be one person. We want to see whatever the Lord is doing strengthened and built up. Another verse, Ephesians chapter 20 Again, following Paul, it says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the goodness of his grace." some beautiful words right there. Paul had been on these missionary journeys and one of the churches that had blossomed, one of the places he'd been able to see the, the word of God take root and form a community was in a town called Ephesus. And now he's actually going back to Jerusalem and he's, he knows that when he goes to Jerusalem this time it's, it's not gonna go well. But basically he's gonna be imprisoned and he's probably gonna lose his life. And so on his way back there, he calls for the elders at the Ephesus church and said, will you guys come around me? And could we have a little time together to strengthen one another? Because I know I'm going into something that's not going to be good for my physical well-being. And they were saying, Paul, please don't go. Please don't go. And Paul said, I'm going to go. And then Agabus, this guy came in from nowhere, a prophet, and he comes and he ties himself all up and does all this stuff. And he says, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to tie you up and they're going to make your life miserable. Paul's like, thanks, Agabus. Thanks, man. I know. And I'm going. And I love the four things he says here. And this is really a big deal for, I think, all of us as we go into this next season at Living Streams Church or wherever we're going. That first, we will serve the Lord with great humility. 
There's nothing more powerful than when someone is serving the Lord with great humility. Nothing can stand against them, nothing can stick. No accusations. The world wants to talk a lot of trash about Christians right now, but if you serve the Lord with all humility, it's gonna be just fine. And so let's serve the Lord with all humility, trying to get our shoulders underneath the burdens of people, not coming to them and condemning them or looking down on them and saying, why can't you just be more like me? It's not the way Jesus came, it's not the way Paul comes. Serve the Lord with great humility. The second thing is they did not hesitate to preach. And it is, it is getting harder to preach the truth these days. What we hear about the Republic of Ireland is they're so done with any kind of religion or evangelical kind of mindset or the Bible. And we have those you know, sentiments here in America as well. And it's just gonna get harder to preach the truth, to stand in the truth. It's gonna become more odious and offensive the more society decides to reject the way of Christ. No doubt about it. But Paul says we did not hesitate to preach. And we cannot hesitate to preach either. It's the medicine the world needs, whether they like it or not. It's the medicine that we need, whether we like it or not. It's the truth that sets us free. It's not the truth that makes you feel okay or feel included. So don't hesitate to preach. And then they were compelled by the Spirit, and I love this. Those of you who have walked with the Lord, you know what it's like to be moved by God's Spirit. You know how uncomfortable it is at first when the Lord's like, hey, go talk to that person. And you're like, no. Hey, I want you to share this with that person. <laughs> I want you to forgive that person. Write a letter and forgive him and don't even care what they respond at. What? I want you to go to Dan Griega Belize with your family and just love people there and see what I have for you. Hmm. But then those of you who have done that, you've been compelled by the Spirit and you've walked in that, you know, oh, after I got over all that and got through all of that, boom, taste and see that the Lord is good. The goodness of the Lord shows up. Maybe not right away. Maybe not in the way you wanted. It's been so cool as we're getting ready to, to go on this thing um, and what was about a year of excitement as we were thinking about it has now become a month of just sadness and cost and freaking out. Um, the last three days, for whatever reason, on my iPhone, I just keep having all these pictures just show up of our time in Dangriga towards the end of our time there when strangers had become neighbors who became family of God. And then not only that, but just so happens to be most Sundays I sit up here in the last seven months, there's been a guy named Glenn sitting next to me who's living in our discipleship house. And he's the first guy that showed up when we lived in Dangriga. After three months of basically just loneliness, not knowing anybody, we met this guy named Glenn and he wanted to know more about Jesus. And we got to walk together and do ministry together and, and he's still sitting by me even today. And so the Lord was just saying, hey, I know you're sad and it's okay. Sadness might be the right thing. Feeling the cost might be the right thing. But just don't lose hope. 
Because once, once you're at the 10 month or the nine month in Ireland, you're gonna feel real different. Then you're gonna be sad to leave that place. You're gonna be like, I wanna go back to Phoenix, hot. Dry. They don't got green. But they don't have mud. I don't know. A lot to think about. A lot to think about. And then the last thing Paul says is that he completed the task the Lord had given him, the task of testifying the good news of his grace. And this is just so important. The Lord has given you a task. And you might be at the beginning of it, you might be in the middle of it, you might be near the finish line, I don't know. But finish that task, stay focused on that task. Whether it's a bunch of people, whether it's just one person. Whether it's adoption or fostering, whether it's going on missions somewhere else. Or whether it's doing missions right here whether it's caring for your, your in-laws or your aging parents, whether it's caring for your grandkids or something, whatever the task the Lord has given you, be faithful to that task and in it testify to the goodness of his grace. A couple more verses here. There's no excuse and no escape from God's call on your life. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. And then he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he has prepared for us in advance. Basically, this is what he's saying. He's saying, You, God saw you, and you were just trash. You were totally used up junk. And God was like, I like that. I got a plan for that. Amen. This world and sin and whatever has kind of warped them and twisted them all up, but watch what I can do with this. And he takes you and he plucks you out of darkness and he puts you into light. And then he gets to work on you and he just starts working on you. And it's not as fast as you want it to be. It's not as painless as you want it to be, but he's working on you. He's working on you. He's working on you. And he fashions you into this tool and he gets done and says, look at yourself. And you're like, what am I? He's like, you're exactly what I want you to be. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's cool. And sometimes you're like, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be a pastor. I've never wanted to be a pastor. All my life. I'm, I'm, this is not an alleg allegory. This is me. Like, I never wanted to be pastor. I knew pastors growing up. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want that. And the Lord's like, I'm going to make you a pastor. And I was like, ew. <laughs> and then it, I've, I've just been a pastor. That's all I've done, literally. Look at how soft my hands are. <laughs> They're actually not that soft. But. Like I worked at Subway for a week. I did home improvement for two months. I built the wonkiest deck you've ever seen. And then just split the state, moved to Arizona quick so they couldn't find me. I worked in the Guinness Brewery for three months. <laughs> Silence at that? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, so he's one of those guys. <laughs> you don't know anybody that's worked in the Guinness Brewery? <laughs> I feel it calling me back, you know? <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Wish I could keep going. Other than that, it's just been working at a church, just a nerdy church worker. Still doing it. Still doing it. But the Lord, he not only prepares you and fashions you as this tool that he wants to use, 
but he then prepares good works for you to walk in. So basically, he's created things in your life and in your future that you alone are fitted and formed correctly to, to deal with. Basically, there's like lug nuts out there in the world that you're the only wrench that can open or tighten if it needs that. God, God has saved you, not for you, is what this verse is trying to say. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is really interesting, because here we have a clue. What's God's eternal purpose in all of creation? Well, it's to make his manifold wisdom known to principalities and powers. Now check this out. We know what God's whole plan is. It's to make his eternal or his manifold wisdom known to principalities and powers. You're not in the sentence. You and I, we didn't even make the sentence. His eternal purpose is not to make you happy or to get you that house or to get you that girlfriend. We just got done with the book of Job, sorry. <laughs> Still a little linger, lingering effect. It's the truth. But, but we did make the cut in the verse where he says, for some reason, God decided to use the church to do this, to accomplish his eternal purpose. So you and I, your life is so much more than what your paycheck says. Your life is so much more than what your history says. Your life is so much more that you're homeless now for the next couple of months. Too close to home, huh, Britt? <laughs> or Matt, right? Aren't you still homeless or something, Matt? God's eternal purpose is he wants to use your life in a way that you would not believe. He wants to change eternity with your life. That somehow through you, his manifold wisdom will be known to principalities and powers forevermore. It's way better. So a few phrases real quick before we close with some, with some, with some sentiment. Um, what is God's purpose for you? His purpose for you is that you would be formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. Don't forget the second part. God wants to form you into his image, the image of his son, no doubt about it. But it's for the sake of the world. And please, let's not be a church that forgets that everything God does in our lives is not for us. It's for the sake of the world. It's really hard to be that kind of church. You are not a full disciple of Christ until you're making disciples. Don't ever forget that. To follow Christ, one of the very, very important aspects of being a follower of Christ is you are helping someone else become a follower of Christ. And until you're doing that, it's, it's not complete. It's not finished. Being a disciple of Christ means that you are helping someone else become a disciple of Christ. Just one, if not more. And you've been saved, set free, and spirit-filled so you can serve others, sow gospel seeds, be sent to the many or the one, Judea or the uttermost. You've been set free for a purpose. And when you find that purpose, life makes a lot more sense. Might not be easier, but it will be much more fulfilling.
So with all that being said, with the Spirit of God stirring up our hearts and the blessing and confirmation of our community and authority and those the Lord has put in authority over us, my family is heading out on mission for the next nine months. It takes nine months to give birth, and we hope to give birth to something new and fresh and beautiful and lasting in the Republic of Ireland. We've spoken with missions agencies and missionaries. We've done some research. We've prepared as best we can. We're horrible at preparation. Horrible at it. You should see our house right now. No, you shouldn't. It's too depressing. For some reason, my wife yesterday started a tile project, and we leave Wednesday. Talk about a sharp dispute, Paul and Barnabas. Started the project yesterday. Not, not finished the project. Started the project. Um, where was I? It sounded exciting at first, but now it just feels a lot like cost, relational cost with dear friends and family, comfort costs as we go to an unknown place and live in, as unknown people for a season. Um, what, what was first visions of green beauty in the Emerald Isle is now looking a lot more like cold and dark and lonely and rainy and muddy and unfamiliar. Now, I don't want to make this too dramatic because I was meeting with a guy this week who's going to Tajikistan, Tajikistan, He's going to a place. He could have been making it up. I don't know. But he's going there, and he's going there because he feels called to serve Muslims with great humility, to not hesitate to preach, compelled by the Spirit to finish the task the Lord has given him. He's committing for multiple years. He's a young man with a lot of promise, and he's just going to go serve the Lord in a very foreign place that really is cold and dark. So Ireland seems like wussy. (laughs) But serving the Lord with great humility is our aim. Not being hesitant to preach is our hope and prayer for us and our girls. To be led and guided and compelled by the Spirit is the greatest adventure. And to complete the task Jesus has given us is our call, the task of testifying to the good news of his grace. To sum it up, we're going to strengthen churches and spread the word of God in the Republic of Ireland in a town called Tipperary. Just like many who have gone before us and many who are doing the same thing now, we're going to join the effort. For Brit, it will look a lot like surprising a whole bunch of Irish youngsters with teaching and exemplifying that following Jesus is the greatest adventure there is. For me, it will probably look a lot like fishing for a few guys who aren't yet aware of the rich and compelling calling Jesus has placed on their life as servants slash leaders in the church. Hopefully, there'll be a little fishing for fish involved in that too. Can't play basketball. I don't know what I'm going to do. For my girls, I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet. They each have beautiful hearts. They each are discovering what Jesus made them good at, and they are each figuring out that serving others is way better than serving yourself. But I can't wait to see what it looks like. Can't wait to see the formation that takes place in their hearts and minds as they trust the Lord in this. And as for you... I feel very confident that God is directing this, and so it's going to be good. I don't know if it'll always feel good, but I know it will be good. Please love each other more often and more deliberately than ever before. 
Please love Blake and Ryan and their family really well and without reservation. Please love the truth and seek the truth more ruthlessly and rigorously than ever before because the formation against you and your family is ruthless and rigorous. Please every day remember God's amazing mercy towards you and share that with everyone you meet. Remember the lady, the homeless lady with the little you know, spray bottle, the weed sprayer, but she filled it with cold water and she was just going around spraying everybody to cool them off. Even be merciful to the guy on the phone after you've been on hold for a long time. <laughs> Not quite sure how that got in there. <laughs> Must have had a rough moment. And please go after the one. Recover the lost art of one-on-one discipleship. Jesus' kingdom is built through one-on-one, tangible, person-to-person, incarnational moments together, way more than he is through large crowds or large groups. Remember our hope for our life groups is raw authenticity, relentless encouragement, biblical counsel, and genuine friendship because it's the best way to experience the fullness of God's kingdom here and now, and it's the best way to transfer God's kingdom here and now as well. And thank you, Living Streams. Like I said, my daughter said the only thing that she's gonna really miss is the church. I can't tell you what that means to me. Thank you for the guy who said he'd pay for our dog to get there and back. It's a long story there. But that was a big deal. So I can't even complain about having to bring a dog. I still can complain. Thank you for the guy who got us hotels in Chicago because he heard that we can't fly to Phoenix because it's too hot for the dog to get on the plane. So we have to drive to Chicago in order to get the dog on the plane to get him to Ireland. Am I complaining right now? Nope, I'm right on that edge, but it's not complaining. I'm thankful, I'm thankful. Thank you for everybody that came over yesterday, all the guys who came and just slaved away at my house for hours to help me prepare. I'm so bad at it. Thank you for all the finances, the prophetic words, the words of blessing that you guys have spoken over us and given us as guidance for our time there. And thank you for being so committed to the way of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, and the life of Jesus, and helping us really taste and see that the Lord is good in our time here. Let's pray. If you want to just take a moment and prepare your hearts for communion and listen for the Spirit of the Lord, take a deep breath. Sometimes that helps. If you want to go to your knees, that's fine as well. Jesus, it's such an interesting thing that you would, you would call us to commune with you. That you would want us to enjoy you and to spend time with you and to hear from you and to know you. And that's what we want in this time, Lord, this time of Eucharist, this time of thankfulness, this time of remembrance, this time of communion. We pray that we really would be more united to you and your heart and your beauty and your righteousness 
and your vision. And we thank you, Jesus, that everything that's good in our life came at a cost to you, that you really said you were willing to pay the price for our sin, to make what was out of reach to us come close. And so we remember your broken body, the thorns in your head, the wounds in your hand and feet and side and back. Remember the wrath of God poured out for you in our place. And remember that in the end you were broken by it. But you were broken so that we could be made whole. And so we remember you, Jesus, and pray that your strength and your life and your freedom and your holiness would fill us as we take this bread. And Jesus, we thank you that you let your perfect, sinless blood flow because you knew it would wash us clean. And Lord, we do admit that we, we have fallen short of your glory. We have sinned. We have been selfish. We've been greedy. We've been lustful. We've been prideful. We've thought that all of creation and all of life was to make us happy. All the goodness that you poured out to us was for us and forgot to share it with our brothers and sisters and, and others, Lord. I pray that you would forgive us of all of that and you would lead us in a new way. But just as we confess our sin, Lord, we also confess our forgiveness because of this cup. And we drink deeply of your forgiveness. Let's take the cup. Lord, I really do pray that you just let your favor and blessing and anointing be on this house and that a lot of goodness would flow in and flow out of this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen, amen. Um, this morning, I'm just so thankful for David and his leadership and his friendship and so thankful for the Stockton family. And, uh, and this morning, we are going to commission the Stocktons out, just like anybody else who's going on the mission field. Uh, we're going to commission uh, this family out into the mission that God has called them to. So uh, Stockton family, why don't you guys come on out? Let's hear for the Stocktons. Come on, guys. And, and, uh, and we've got a couple of elders that are going to pray, too, if you guys could come up right now. But uh, we're just so, so thankful for this family, and I, we've been walking with them for a while, and I, I think this morning it's easy to feel like, oh, David's a pastor, so this is easy. Like, he's just going out on the mission field. This is hard. This is, this is not easy for anybody to walk out, but I am convinced that the Lord is going to use this to do an amazing work here in our family. So I'm so um, excited to see the Lord send people out because of this. Um, but we're going to pray a blessing over them. So if you wouldn't mind just extending a hand out to them. And uh, Jim Watkins, you, oh, whoa, uh-oh. You, uh, you mind praying over them? Not at all, Ryan. Good morning, church. This is the day we've been talking about for quite some time, the day the Stocktons say goodbye for a while and go back on the mission field. This is a very special day in our church. We're ascending church, and what better example could we have of that 
than our leader and his family showing the way. That's an applause line right there, don't you think? When I was asked to pray for the Stocktons, I thought, hey, this will be easy. They're going to Ireland, right? Irish blessings are numerous, familiar. They're all over the Internet. So here's what I found. You'll probably recognize this one. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of His hand. What do you think? Amen. Well, it was nice, but somehow it doesn't quite convey, convey what Living Streams should ask of the Lord for the Stocktons. It wasn't personalized for this family. So I had to go back to the drawing board to create a true Living Streams blessing. Here's what I came up with. And what I would ask you to do while I read this blessing is that you would extend your arm toward the Stocktons and cherish this precious moment with them. Heavenly Father, we pray over the Stockton family as they return once again to the mission field. What a wonderful example of kingdom building they are for us. We pray for unity in the family and that Leah, Bella, and Eva will be encouraged by their parents' commitment to serve you and join their parents in that service. We pray, Lord, that you also shield and protect the family spiritually and physically as you have always done and always will. We pray for travel safety on the road and in the air. We pray for just the perfect rental home and the ideal location. Empower David to protect his girls and be their spiritual leader. Enable each of them to use their gifts to make new friends and introduce their friends to Jesus. May your Holy Spirit guide them in making disciples and creating a renewed, a renewed church that will bring a spiritual awakening to that part of Ireland. Remind us all to be daily intercessors for the Stocktons. I'm going to repeat that because it's so important. Remind us to intercede for the Stocktons daily. Return them to us next summer full of gratitude and praise for their time in Ireland and incredible stories of blessings to share with us. Oh, and Lord, Leah wanted me to thank you that Lucky the dog gets to go along on this adventure. In the mighty name of Jesus, we submit these prayers to you, God. And all of us said, Amen. 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 Come on, let's hear it for the Stocktons. Thank you, guys.